Hi, welcome to Tube to Table, the podcast about helping tube-fed kids become happy and healthy eaters. Every week, we will dive into the basics of tube weaning to help unravel the conflicting information families get from doctors, therapists, friends, and family. I'm Jenny, a feeding therapist, mom, and food lover. And I'm Heidi. I'm also a feeding therapist, and I love sharing meals with friends and family and helping kids learn to eat. Come with us as we share practical tips and provide real-world expert advice so that parents can help their little ones start their journey from feeding tube to family table. Hi, and welcome to the Tube to Table podcast. This is Heidi, and welcome to our episode um, called uh, Parents' Perspective, Noelle's Story. And I am really happy to be joined by Jessica and Chris Strickland, um, who were... um, a family that I worked with, uh, what, two, three months ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am thrilled to see your voice, your faces again, and to talk to you a little bit um, this afternoon. So why don't we start by you guys telling me a little bit about Noel and how you got to, to where you were when we met each other. Yeah. So Noelle is um, six and a half now. She is our third child and she was born really, really early and really, really small. She um, was a micro preemie and um, my, my water actually broke with her at 21 weeks and I was able to keep her in um, being hospitalized um, and being watched and monitored until 25 weeks, five days. But um, because she wasn't growing right, she was um, IUGR, which is intrauterine growth restricted. Um, my placenta wasn't nourishing her right. And so she, um, when she was born, she was one pound, one ounce and um, a very sick little baby. So teeny. Yes, very, very, very teeny. Yes. Um, yeah, I just couldn't believe that, that she was going to potentially make it. So after, um, gosh, six and a half long, long months in the NICU. Um, We had a lot of ups and downs as most NICU parents do, but she did rather well. Um, She had to have eye surgery because of um, ROP um, and that wasn't good. She had to be intubated and um, it was always her lungs that were the worst. And uh, we really think that was because um, with my water breaking at 21 weeks, she didn't have the amniotic fluid that helps develop the lungs. So therefore, her lungs were under way underdeveloped, even for a 25-weeker. Um, so for her, her story, she just never really knocked the respiratory support. And so, gosh, once she finally got down low enough to even start uh, bottle feeding or breastfeeding, um, she had she was alive like five months at that point. <laughs> um, and uh, we tried it, and they were really concerned about her potentially aspirating, and obviously that's not good for premature lungs. Um, they saw evidence of reflux um, and possible aspiration with that. And um, as the, the weeks and months wore on, um, they really only gave her a week to even try to eat. And then they were like, yeah, she's, she's requiring more respiratory support. We can't even risk this anymore. Um, a few weeks later, she was diagnosed with pulmonary hypertension as a result of her lungs working so hard to breathe. And so um, their recommendation to us was, hey, if you if you guys, you know, want to bring her home and bring her home safely, um, we really recommend a feeding tube um, placed a G-tube with a nissen fund application, which is a tying off of your upper tummy to prevent the reflux from coming back up. So um, while that was devastating news, it was 
after six and a half months, it was kind of a no-brainer. Like, if this is what they're recommending, um, you know, who are we? We're not doctors. We don't know. I think there was this part of my mommy gut that when I saw her nurse that week that we tried it a few times, it looked like it was so much easier for her than the bottle feeding was. But I think at that point, we were just ready to be home and, you know ready to be together as a family and um, didn't know what it looked like for her to, to live on a G tube. And, um, but they, they promised us that, you know, babies like her could, could eat eventually. And that's something that we, we hear a lot actually, that it's, um, it doesn't, you're not really prepared for how long that process can be um, that you don't really um, expect that it's going to take as long as it sometimes does. And you guys ended up on a couple of different formulas too, right? Um, yeah, I, for, I feel like they started us on one. I, I pumped for a year. Like this is how oblivious I was to how long it was going to take us to get off the tube. I pumped from the moment she came out of me and hoping that she would be able to nurse. And so a year and a half into it is when I finally was like, okay, I don't think she's going to be <laughs> That's <nursing."> amazing. <sighs> I know. But um, so anyway, we would mix the breast milk that I would pump with Ella Care Jr. She hadn't shown any signs of like food allergy. I think they just wanted to give her the least amount of stress on her tummy. Um, and Ella Care Jr. for a reason was the best recommendation. Mm-hmm. She's on that for a while. And then, um, gosh, Probably in the last two years is when we switched to the mm-hmm. or year and a half Kate Farms. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we definitely had a long view from from early on. I think it was obvious that we were in a marathon, but even within that, we were thinking, okay, two to three years, three to four years, maybe five years down the road, this will naturally happen. And so we knew with, within that we would encounter plateaus along the way, but we're kind of expecting to see some slow progress through those number of years. And that wasn't quite the pace we were on. It was, even with that very realistic view, it was even slower than we, you know, were expecting along the way. And not to disagree with you, but I don't think we had any idea. Like that first year and a half, I wouldn't have pumped that long. Like, I think I really thought we were going to get in therapy and she was going to start, like, it, it wasn't until I, I saw signs of not eating at all and the aversion that I was like, okay. Maybe, other than, I mean, she was on oxygen for over two years. So yeah, I feel like that in part um, calibrated those expectations being longer than, oh, we're home and we're, you know, we're going to flip the, not flip the switch, but very quickly get momentum going. It just seemed like it was pacing longer than that. Yeah, we got home and it got worse. And that was not expected. I thought we'd get home, get in a little quieter environment, being around me all the time, and and it got worse. So that yeah. was not, yeah, that was not expected or um, told to us. Yeah. And she was in therapy. Like, she'd worked on some stuff in therapy. From the get-go. Like, I, again, that first year and a half, I was like, we're going to do whatever. Like, I was like, you know... Like obsessive compulsive about everything, everything we can to get her to, and it was like it. It, it probably isn't true, but it felt like the more we did, the less. It may be true, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. happens. Um, yeah. So I'm going to jump ahead to when we met and talk a little bit about um, when we first did the evaluation. She was she was six. You know, she had just turned five and a half. Five and a half. Um, 
Sorry, sorry. Yeah, she was. Um, yes, she was. She was almost six or right before. Mm-hmm. And she's running and playing and talking and has the best imagination. Um, but she was, I would maybe just say polite with food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk a little bit more. Yeah. What What did you guys see at home? What did you guys see in therapy when you were like right around that time? Yeah. So I think over the years she developed... Um, what, what what they did really well therapy was that it made her not scared of like she developed aversions and then she came out of that and then she was comfortable with food but just like it just because it was kind of neutral it was like oh it's there I might take a lick or a bite but it didn't really yeah matter to her here or there um so yeah it was just fun sometimes or not or she could go three days and not touch a piece of food and that would be fine too you know and what was your role with her in the mealtimes? Like, what did you guys yeah. do? Um, we just, we've always had her at the table with us. We've always given her um, a plate and a fork as appropriately aged, you know, or in the high chair when she was younger. Um, she was always made to be a part of stuff. But she usually wanted a toy with her at the table because she wanted something to do. <laughs> because eating wasn't really right. something to do. Her. Um, so it was definitely hard to keep her at the table. She lost interest real quick. We have four kiddos, and um, you know we can't always give our full attention to Noelle. Um, and sometimes it would seem like the focus on her would be a little much, or it was just easier just to be like, "Okay, go play," and we'll all right. eat. Right. Or the bites that she did take were. I sort of remember, take a bite, take a lick. Why don't you do this? Yeah. How about yeah, why don't you try it? And encouraging her a lot or the focus being so much on food that I like dreaded mealtime, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so then we decided to do the intensive treatment, which was great. And you guys um, came to Nashville and rented a house and, um, can you tell me like what are some of the what are some of the memories you have from that time? What are some of the lessons that you learned maybe? What are some yeah. of the things you think you learned about the whole eating process? Heidi, I don't know if you were wanting to talk about this at all, but I just even think getting to the um, intensive was such a story for us because n- not to um, not to I guess put down any doctors or any of the people that were trying to lead us well. But um, I think I was just so frustrated. I mean, she was six years old and we, the only option we were given was this is just going to happen. This will happen with time. She'll get older. She'll get to kindergarten and she'll just start eating or she'll see her siblings eat. And like, it's like, I felt like every year post getting off oxygen, it was like, okay, when will she start eating? And um, they just said it would happen and unfold easily, and it wasn't. And she was in therapy every week for five and a half years, six years, and it wasn't happening. And so I think leading up to even the intensive, there was this sense of just frustration with the system and like how things aren't coordinated well between therapists and doctors and who really knows how this happens. And so when we were recommended a, a different um, program that has a totally another approach by our GI doctor, I kind of feel like that was the only option. And it sounded awful. Like it sounded like torture, eight weeks, four times a day, five days a week, far away in Atlanta, away from my family, 
in a medical setting. Like it just sounded like nothing good. But the only glimmer of hope was like, oh, this is a step forward. This is just something. Something. Yeah. Somebody's giving us something to take one step forward to get her off the tube. Um, and so I think just the journey to finding out about you guys and the different approach and man, just like it sounded like just a breath of fresh air and that it's made so much sense to us um, that that was just so just so inspiring. And um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that before even. I appreciate that. And I, I think that makes me feel really good because we spend a lot of time on that and we feel really strongly about that, as you know, from some of our conversations. Um, and you said something that I think a lot of parents would think is interesting too, is when you said that made a lot of sense to us, which pieces made the most sense? What well, I can count yeah, as. I can speak. One of the things was that, wow, when you train someone, you want to help them learn new practices in the setting that they're going to be in. And so um, the approach of having the uh, therapy of sorts happening in a home-like environment made so much more sense than in a medical facility. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just that there's environmental cues that are just as important as the actual chewing and swallowing practices as well. And so that was something that immediately was like, man, that makes so much sense. Why is that even like, why is there any other option besides that kind of thing um, was one thing that caught my attention right off the bat. I think for me, I remember the day I remember sitting in my car talking to you, Heidi, about that call. (laughs) Yes, um, But I had talked to Jennifer first and she'd give me like an overview. And then I had kind of researched on my own and talked to you more specifically. And one of the questions I remember I had was um, at this intensive that was being recommended by our GI doctor. I was like, oh, it must take eight weeks to learn how to chew or something. Or like maybe there's some magic number to working those muscles out for eight weeks that suddenly makes you be able to eat, you know, or anyway. So I remember asking you, um, how can we do in 10 days what they're saying takes eight weeks? You know, you can't really develop those same muscles, right? You can't really. And you were saying, yes, that makes, that makes sense. You can't really do the same, but she starts and she just gets better as she continues doing Mm -hmm. it. And I was like, that makes so much sense. It's just a, a catalyst. It's a it's a thing to spark her um, wanting to eat and experiencing hunger, and then she just gets better at it. She's allowed to try, and that was just like, oh, yeah. okay. And, and, and the other is just the fact that how imagining how difficult it is to learn how to eat when you never feel hunger, mm-hmm. and how the other program wasn't going to adapt practices toward allowing her to feel hunger and learn from that as a part of the training. And that just seemed odd. Uh, Yet, you know, again, like Jessica said, when it was like the only possibility to get kind of this new pathway forward, it was like, okay, we're just going to go with it. But then hearing this other process that approaches it differently where, you know, adjusting the intake to allow for hunger to be a part of the learning experience. Like a just, natural motivator. Yeah, it just made sense. <laughs> like we want her to learn how to respond to her body and, and know when she's hungry and how to respond to that. That's part of the learning that she doesn't have. She's never experienced that in six years of her life. That's an important feature to this. Yeah. So that stood out as well. That makes sense. I appreciate that. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it's fun. It's interesting to see them sort of tune into their body. It's interesting to see how they learn that 
process because it seems like you need to do it for them. And they really, they get there. Um, and I think, Chris, when you were explaining this to friends, I know you made a, an analogy about a, a catalyst experience um, with your work. And I think that made a lot of sense, too, if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the opportunity to work in the leadership development realm. And one of the things we talk about a lot is one of the best ways to create a transformational experience is to partner and pair catalyst type events and experiences with ongoing processes. So you have the catalyst to spark new growth and new things. Um, but to make sure that just doesn't fizzle out, you pair it intentionally with an ongoing process and how those two work together really allow for more significant transformation and really felt like the approach and process that um, we were part of with you included both. Well, you have this catalyst experience um, where there's a lot of focus. We're in a comfortable environment, but it's also a new environment where there's some special focus on making it fun and, and trying new things. But then we aren't sent home just to suddenly be on our own. There's this ongoing process afterward where we're continuing to get support from you, Heidi, and um, continuing to move Noel forward. And it just made a lot of sense why something in an environment I'm used to makes sense in other applications and other environments, too. I love that. That made a lot of sense. Um, and so I think when I think of you guys here, I actually think about all, we did a lot of things. <laughs> we had part of the, the whole family part of the time, part of the family part of the time, um, and just you and Noel part of the time. And we, we did a lot of fun things. Like we ate some stuff, but we went to the zoo, what, three times, maybe? Four. At least you and I did. But then we went again with the bigger family. Um, so probably probably went five times with Noel. I got a membership while we were there. <laughs> um yeah, we went to the park several times. We went to libraries in the area, move, a movie. Um, the house we were at was so great. Great yard, played in the creek. Um, it was like a vacation for Noelle and I. And I don't think she even, I don't even think it felt like work to her. It just felt like a fun vacation. It was um, a special trip for it her. It was a special, yeah, trip. special trip for her. It well, was. You, you did a great job, actually, Chris. I love that, and this is a, something I want to tell other families, you had something for her to unwrap every day on the days that you weren't there. Like, you got some great games for her, yeah, which is a great uh, idea. Because we were sending off in, uh, I guess it was January, we weren't sure how the weather was going to impact y'all's ability to have fun. So kind of the backup was, oh, we'll have a special prize she can open up each day. It'll be some kind of activity to do if if we need to lean into that because the yeah. weather, um, yeah. that kind of activity. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I Legos, well. yeah. age-appropriate games. Yeah. And, yeah. Interactive stuff, which was so much fun. So what are what are some of the things that you remember? What are some of the times that you I remember her eating, like we were talking about the chewing. So in the beginning, the the zookeeper, Noelle, when she was at the zoo and she was telling a story and that wad of turkey was getting bigger and bigger and bigger in her mouth. And she, she finally... <laughs> oh, gosh. And then yeah. a couple days later, there was no turkey in her mouth anymore. She swallowed it. Yeah. And we, you know, you were very good about helping me, directing me a little bit better and how to... Heidi just has an incredible way of steering it away from like uh, directly addressing the child about it and more like, like Heidi did great. She stuffed ham all in her <laughs> front of her lip and was like, 
And Noel was like, what did you say? And Heidi's like, you can't understand me because I have ham all stuck here. So anyway, just modeling. And um, that was really helpful to kind of take the focus and attention off directive instruction for Noel and making it more, you know, palatable to hear and experience, I think. And I think, you know, we could see after that she did start to pay a little bit more attention to what was going on in her mouth. And I think, you know, hunger does a bit of that and learning and, you know, we, we keep learning from our experiences, but that was actually something that changed some things. I think after some of those, Mm -hmm. those eating experiences, um, what was something that was easier than you thought? I think, um, I think I expected her, to become more emotional, maybe when she was hungry. Like, I didn't know what to expect hunger to feel like for her since she, I don't think had ever experienced it before, probably. Um, so I know when I'm hungry slash hangry, I'm not nice and I'm an emotional wreck and I just want food. And I think I expected it to be feel really frustrating for her and to not be able to like get it in well enough to feel good. And I don't know why that didn't happen. I mean, I guess... You know, she's been doing therapy for six years, so she she has some skills there, and she's able to get some stuff done. But down, but um, yeah, I was I was a little surprised that she wasn't more emotional. But I think part of that was you doing a good job too of kind of supplementing appropriately. You know, like let's give her a little break or let's anticipate. You know, maybe she's fading a little, so we'll give her a little more formula through a tube. Um, so that was helpful because I wouldn't have known exactly when or how or what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a process for sure. Um, yeah. What was what was hard, Chris? You probably heard some of the phone calls. Was there anything that came up when she was talking to you that seemed easier than you expected? Or you were sick, so <laughs> you were sick at home. You were sick the first couple of days or something. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean not not in the unexpected realm. I mean, I, I knew. I knew it wasn't going to be like this overnight change for her. And so we knew that going in. Um, And so we encountered that. I mean, obviously you're still hopeful that, Oh man, maybe it'll just be super. Maybe we'll get that one couple that it just like clicks immediately. (laughs) But you know, that's not going to happen. Um, Yeah. I I was just a a lot focused on trying to keep the home base squared away and then come in midweek to try to add some energy and just some, um, you know, if the if the monotony of the ten days had taken over, to kind of be a breath of fresh air uh, was kind of my my right. my part in it. Yeah, uh, but it wasn't harder than expected that I remember. Yeah, and I think both of us just went into it not expecting like mm-hmm. fireworks. Like I think both of us just kind of like we just. I mean, I think I told you this, Heidi. You did. I just wanted her to feel hunger. Like I had this, these, I think I felt like pretty small yeah. goals. I wanted to know that she was a normal person that could feel hunger and then, you know, want to fill her mouth with food to help, you yeah. know, to make that connection. And, um, that was my main, yeah, desire. I didn't, I didn't have a goal in mind of how much she should be taking by formula at the end of it or not be taking at all. I just, I think I knew not to put that on the table, you know, because it was just not necessary. Yeah. I just wanted her that connection for a lifelong journey of healthy eating and learning how to do that. What was harder? I said, you said there wasn't a lot that was harder. Was there anything that was harder than you expected? Kind of a surprise or not so much? Um, hmm. I think, I think it was hard and remains hard is 
not hard, like, oh, I can't live with it, but just like if I let it get to me, just not worrying too much about variety of foods for her, Mm -hmm. you know, like I have to be okay with maybe she's not going to eat vegetables for, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think it comes down to just trusting her. And um, when I want to micromanage and try to make sure she's getting all of her vitamin D and, (laughs) um, you know, calcium and all those things, that's when it gets, makes me a little bit crazy. Cause um, yeah, I just want to trust her body and trust her to kind of know um, how to feed herself. You know what I think we talked about a little bit during the time that was a little hard is, and I don't know that we spent a lot of time on this, but a little bit of like trying to get everything structured so that she would eat so that she wouldn't feel hungry sometimes of like trying to prevent that same thing that we wanted. Right. Right. Like having her know how to eat enough to make the playground and feel good. And right. Yeah. And knowing that sometimes we're going to have to go to the playground and she was going to get hungry and would have to eat later. Like sometimes that's a hard thing to try and get all the cards stacked so that it was going to go totally smoothly. Um, I think we talked about that a little bit sometimes. Um, What are some of the things you've learned about Noelle? Hmm. Yeah. uh, For me, just that she will try new things and try new foods. And, you know, we've been hopeful for that, but for so long, hadn't really seen that, Uh, you know, before the therapy process, we would see her, you know, she had maybe three things she'd be willing to taste. And again, we're talking like literally just taste, barely take anything in, but to see her now eat different foods and, 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 you know, in, in portion size and then try new things on top of that. It's just been like, wow, you know, I can, I'm excited about getting used to this. Uh, it's still very new to me. <laughs> I think, um, I think for me, I just, I feel like I've just learned, like I really can trust her. Like I really can trust her to take care of her. And, um, you know, we couldn't do that when she was a micro preemie and a baby in the NICU and everybody was telling me what she needed and, telling her what she needed because she couldn't do it for herself. But like, I, I really do believe that we can trust her little body and trust her to feed it and take care of it and try new things when she's ready. And, um, yeah, that's exciting. She's very resilient too. I think we talked about that. Like just, um, you know, sometimes how little they eat and you're like, wow, how do they do that? But then the next day they make up for it. And you know, my, my four-year-old does that too, you know, she'll miss dinner and not think twice about it. Um, so yeah, just her resiliency and her, um, her little confidence has been built so much too, like by eating, I think, and it's just so much fun to watch her enjoy food, like to outright moan about how good the ice cream is (laughs) or like as she stuffs more avocado in her face. This is so good. You know, it's just fun to watch. (laughs) You guys can see. You know, we could see each other, even though the people on podcast line can't. But this is the picture of Noelle that I have over my desk. Like her with that super proud look on her face with like, I think you said, it was you were telling her story. And you said, do you remember thinking that I had a little girl that I was wondering if she would ever like ice cream? And I was wondering if you would ever like ice cream. And Noelle just went, and I'm eating ice cream. Like her whole face lit up that she had fulfilled your wondering from a year ago. Do you remember that? 
Yeah, we had been at an ice cream store and Noel was probably two or two and a half. And I was watching another little two and a half year old eating ice cream. And at that point, Noel wasn't even like, I don't even think she was curious about ice cream, really. And I just remember thinking, oh, will she ever like ice cream? And so I told her that little story. And <laughs> the awareness on her face of like, she looked down at her bowl of ice cream and it was like, and I'm eating ice cream right now. Like she was just so excited that she could do yeah. that. That is probably one of my favorite memories of her um, in that period. Um, So before we jump to like my one last question, um, uh, is there anything like my question is going to be, is there um, what would you tell some other parents if they're thinking like if they've just gotten the tube or they're on this journey or they're thinking about, you know, going through the tube weaning process? What would you tell them? Hmm. Or what would you tell yourself? five years ago, four years ago? To have done this sooner. (laughs) (laughs) To have known about this sooner. Um, Yeah, just just that there's other options out there that uh, the problems they're facing aren't, like you're not alone. There's other opportunities out there that can serve your family really well and serve your child really well. And that there's a proven track record with it. And it also just makes sense. And so um, that extra time and investment for it is well, well, um, there's a, just a great return on it. And so uh, I think I would say that to myself and be excited to hear about that opportunity yeah as early as possible I think for me um and not to to down doctors but just to have a healthy distrust of doctors like they are humans they have limited knowledge and experience as well like I think I was just most in all of the years of dealing with this I think I've been most frustrated with just feeling like nobody was giving me any kind of way out. And I think one of your podcasts has even talked about this, how from the time you get the G tube or tube feeding in some way, there should be a plan and a way out. And we, there's not, there, there wasn't for us. There wasn't, we weren't, it was just this frilly out in the clouds. It'll happen one day. And it wasn't like, how are we getting off this? And so I think, um, yeah, doing the research yourself and trusting your gut, your parental intuition and your gut. And um, I know the financial part of it is huge for people. It's a very real thing. But I think as scary as that was for us, um, I think once we found out about this program, I couldn't even, even if this program like disappeared, I couldn't have even swallowed the other one because of how wrong it teaches people to eat and the wrong reasons and how much problems it can create. So um, I think that would be the thing I would tell parents is to whatever they can do to make it happen. um, It's worth it. And yeah, we've been, we've been very pleased and um, blessed by it. Oh, I'd love to hear that. And I, I loved seeing your faces today. Um, and I loved hearing your voices and I love seeing Noelle pop in, in the beginning. Um, so make sure I give her a hug for me. Um, but, and, um, everybody else too, of course. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today and, um, I will talk to you later. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Sure. Great.
Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, and as always, everybody, if you could leave us a review where you find um, podcasts, that's how other families find us. If you have any comments, thoughts, questions, you can find us on social media. Um, and we hope you are staying safe. And um, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tube to Table podcast. Every week, we're going to share our show notes at thrivewithspectrum.com. In the show notes, you can find a summary of what we discussed and links to all the resources that we mentioned. Also, you can visit us on social media and Instagram and Facebook. We can be found at Thrive with Spectrum. And on Twitter, you can find us at Thrive with SP. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media and let us know if you have any input or any topics that you'd really like to see us address. We'll be back next week.